Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration for leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning, this is Kate. I hope you're enjoying a beautiful morning. Have you ever wondered about the future of work? I do. I think about it as I contemplate how technology, for example, the BlackBerry and my personal computer, have really changed my way of working over the past 15 years, making it possible for me to work anywhere, anytime, for better or worse. I think about it in the context of how to prepare my children for their future careers. I also think about how jobs have been outsourced abroad and whether those who are unemployed today will return to the same kinds of work that they once left. I wonder where is work heading and how do we prepare? We're going to look into the future today, a future that's taking shape whether or not we're paying attention to it. My guest today is Margaret Regan, President and CEO of the Future Work Institute. Her insights and perspective will be enlightening for all of us. Welcome to the show, Margaret. Thanks very much, Kate, and thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, and I want to give a little bit of your background. Um, Margaret is the president and CEO of the Future Work Institute, a global consulting firm that translates future trends to transform organizations. She really helps her clients create more inclusive and flexible workplaces and look into the future and prepare for what's coming. Uh, Margaret has deep experience. She's worked on HR and generational practices in Asia, mergers in Europe, cross-cultural executive education, and women's studies on four continents. Um, Margaret's a partner and human capital management global diversity practice leader for Towers Parent. She was, that was her role before she founded the Future Work Institute. She has also been the first woman executive at the New York Chamber of Commerce and Industry and at Con Edison. So really a, an, an amazingly um, interesting and robust career, Margaret. We're really pleased to have you here. Um, I want to just say also that Margaret has recently been, um, the Institute has won an award for innovation and uh, her the approach that the Future Work Institute takes, my job, my way, my business, our way, and my perks, my way. I'll say that again. My job, my way, my business, our way, and my perks, my way has really been um, an eye-opener, I think, for many who've been learning about it um, through the Diversity Innovation Award. Um, I'm honored to host you today, Margaret, and I wanted you to just begin by telling us, how did you become interested in being a futurist and, in particular, the, looking at the future of work? Well, it was actually a long journey, uh, Kate. Um, when I started my career in corporate America, and as you said, I was the first woman executive in uh, a few different organizations. In my first organization, Con Edison in New York, 
I was actually studying for my Ph.D., and I became very interested in the future of work through those studies. But it wasn't until I became a consultant at Towers Perrin, which is now Towers Watson, that this passion became something I did as part of my consulting with clients. And finally, when we spun off Future Work Institute 10 years ago from Towers Perrin, I actually created a business based on this passion. Tell us more about um, the work of the Future Work Institute, Margaret, and tell us about who are your clients and what kind of work are you doing? Because of our roots in, in Towers Perrin, we tend to work with very large global companies and many of the Fortune 500 companies in the U.S. And our work runs the gamut from helping large clients, especially at the executive level, look at the future marketplace, whatever their marketplace might be, and the future workplace, and what they have to do now to prepare. Uh, sometimes it's a bit frightening to the CEOs that I work with. I had one who told me that he loved everything I said, he loved the presentation, but it scared him to death uh, oh. because they just weren't ready. Uh, there was another who told me he heard one of my talks 10 years ago when I was at his company and started to think then about how to reorganize his company, how to do work differently, and they're doing that now. So it's, it's large companies. Uh, my work is mainly at the executive level, and then the Future Work Institute rolls out a lot of the education, the coaching, the training that goes with creating a more inclusive workforce. So we help them see the future. If a company is having issues with few women at the top, we do organizational analysis of what's the root cause of this? Why are there few women at the top or mm -hmm. fewer people of color? Or why aren't we global enough? And why aren't we ready to meet this new world? Um, and so we run the gamut from very basic what is diversity, what is the future of work, to rather advanced uh, efforts with some of our more leading-edge clients on how they can be the future now, or for one client, it's we have to see the future to be the future, and we're doing that with them with new products, new ways of working, etc. Wow, it sounds like a very uh, wide-ranging perspective. Um, that you a broad perspective that you really bring. I wonder if you can connect for us um, this idea of the f seeing the future of work and also diversity and inclusion. What are those two things? Um, why, how are those two things related? Well, we're find that, finding that they're very related, and the way to get people involved in understanding diversity and inclusion and the importance of having a flexible and inclusive workplace is uh, is really through the door of diversity and looking at their workforce from the lens of someone who is a production worker, uh, someone who is an executive or a middle manager, from the lens of, of women, uh, of different groups of, of people of color, uh, from different generational perspectives, from people uh, outside the U.S. who are expats or locals, and get them to see how differently all these groups see the organization and what is working for them and what is not working for them. And in doing that, they can begin to prepare for work in the next 10 years to make it more inclusive for everyone. A lot of our work right now globally is on the four generations at work, and this is a very big challenge for many of our clients. Most of the executives are baby boomers. That's the way they think. Some may even be veterans or traditionalists, the generation before them. 
and the workforce is heavily Generation X and Generation Y or Millennials, the youngest generation. And people haven't seen until recently the connection between four generations at work and diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And we've been helping them make that connection. We've been helping them see that in the next 10 years, diversity has to move forward into the future with new ways of working and new ways of learning, broader in its definition so that we talk about generations at work, a multicultural, multi-generational workforce, and then deeper into dialogues on the issues that have been around for 20 years or more, race, gender, people with disability, gay, lesbian employees, etc. So there's a very strong connection, and that is actually the way we do our work, with the connection between the future of the workplace and the marketplace and creating a more inclusive environment where you can get engaged employees no matter where or how they work. Thank you. That's a great answer, and I think that begins to really um, make the connection for us. I know we'll explore that more as we talk. I mentioned that some of the changes I've experienced personally over the past decade have changed how I work, and I, I'm really quite astonished looking back to think about, um, you know, there I was in college using carbon paper on my typewriter. <laughs> um, there I was in the 90s being introduced to this thing called email. You know, now I've got a smartphone and a personal computer and can work anytime, anywhere, and I'm also seeing so many of my clients creating flexible and um, quite different work arrangements with their employees. I'm interested to know, as work becomes ever more global and technology does change our possibilities, it seems like the very nature of work is undergoing a transformation right before our eyes. Can you tell me more about how work is changing and where you think we're headed? Yes, I'm sure I can. And I was laughing to myself when you talked about how you worked a number of years ago because we do this very interesting uh, generational bingo where we put things up on the screen, and if it applies to you, you can put an X on your bingo card. And the things that are just amazing to us is one of them says, I got purple ink on my fingers when I was making copies. The <laughs> youngest generation will look up and say, purple what? Um, mm-hmm. Because the thought of that just makes no sense to them. Um, and and then we also say, used a card catalog in the library. Why would mm-hmm. you do that? Um, so it's very fascinating to watch this bingo quiz that we do where people just don't relate to how work was done earlier or are just used to doing it in different ways. So how is it changing and where where are we headed? Definitely it's going to be more virtual. We're heading to a a work anywhere, anytime workplace. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's already and will be more global, which means we'll need the cross-cultural competencies to survive in that workspace. And unfortunately, many of our American companies, many of our U.S. headquarters companies, don't come to that naturally. Uh, Our European clients come to it much more naturally, but we have to do a lot of work in the U.S. to get our U.S. headquarters companies to think, uh, act more globally. It will also be more team-based. And when you combine more team-based, which will absolutely appeal to the younger generation and more project-based, what you have to imagine is that you won't go in and have this job title with a job description, but you'll work on different projects, and the teams will form and reform with different leaders and different team members. And if you, if you think of a comparison, think about the Hollywood way or the Bollywood way of making movies, which means you have a producer, director, and a group of actors 
they are not paid the same. They're paid by the talent that they have, by how popular they are. So compensation is different depending on what you bring to the project. They have different roles, um, and they work very hard together in a committed project for a period of time. They produce a good product. If that product does well, um, their compensation is better because they share in that. And if it doesn't, um, they go on to the next team. And so that team... Uh, almost like if you think of a fishnet on a dock and you pick up the node uh, and then you drop it and then you pick it up in another place. They go to a team with a different leader, a different cast of characters, and they work again very committed for a period of time to that project and then it forms and reforms. So work will be more virtual, more global, more team-based, more project-based, and people will not be saying, by people, I think I should say managers, I see you but they'll have to learn to say, I see your work. Um, mm. I see your work means if I'm virtual and I'm global and you really don't ever see me, you can only judge me by my work. And then at the, on top of that layer, on top of that, having four generations in the workplace wanting very different things from work and the workplace. So here I am, a manager. I have to be able to manage a global team that's more virtual uh, not very distinct job descriptions. I have to be able to manage by results, not by FaceTime, and I have to be able to manage four generations. I think it's lots of fun. Some people see it as very challenging, but definitely it will be very different. Well, it seems like it will rely a great deal on communication, the ability to ask for what you want, to explain your own work, um, to to communicate, and also to collaborate with other people in a very flexible and fluid way. Yes, and it's interesting. When I've used the Hollywood analogy, people say to me, well, how will we find talent? And I say to them, think about the free agents now that are out on the Internet. Um, You want someone to put up your website and you're a smaller business. You go out there, you can find a lot of free agents who will bid on the work. You will see examples of the work. You will choose them probably talk to them on the phone, you might talk to them through a video conference, but you never see them. And as long as they create a good product for you, then you will recommend them to someone else. So the the other um, the other thing I say to people when they say, well, how will employers find me? And the HR people of today don't like this very much, but sometimes I look at them and say, hmm, you might be the talent uh, reps of the future. You might have a whole bunch of people who are talented people that you represent, and you see the jobs, the tasks, the projects that are out there, and you get them placed there, and you get a percentage of that placement because what's one of the core skills of HR people? Generally, they grew up in a world where at some point they did some recruiting and they know how to spot talent, place talent, etc. People look at me strangely, but if you think of, of the world the way it is now, where you can find them on the Internet, if you want to find higher-level talent, they will probably be represented the way actors now have their agents. That is fascinating, and I'm, I can't wait to get back and talk more about the future of work. We're going to take a break right now. I'm with Margaret Regan of the Future Work Institute. talk.
talking business? Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccianello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate Ebner. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. My guest today is Margaret Regan, CEO and founder of the Future Work Institute. Welcome back. We seem to be having a love affair with technology today, especially our personal technologies. And Margaret, as a result, as we were saying before, you can work anywhere, anytime, which may be um, sometimes the downside of all of this technology, although it's hugely enabling in terms of flexibility. I'm curious, as we expand the concept about technology from sort of just even personal technologies to how companies are using technologies, can you tell us um, how you think technology will enable and change the way we work as we go into the future? Uh, Yes, Kate, that's, that's obviously a place where I spend a lot of time right now because the Future Work Institute, if we have to see the future to be the future, we usually try to get to where technology will be three to five years before our clients are ready for it. So what we see, and I've seen this grow in the last two years, is a lot more work in in virtual worlds. Um, We have three different platforms that we use with our clients. Um, one is just going through uh, the Internet. You don't have to download anything. We use Unisphere on 24 Arcadins platforms. Um, and there, a thousand people at a time can come in, and your avatar is really just a picture of yourself. Uh, you can interact. You can see videos. You can take polls. You can go to networking lounges, see exhibits, etc. And we are just this week... Uh, starting to do training for one of our large clients on one of those platforms where it's very different from the e-learning that we see today. Um, People get to interact with each other. They can interact live on the phone. Uh, The videos feel like they're live. They talk to each other, uh, go to a networking lounge, and absolutely enjoy that kind of work. Then the other 
platforms, we use our protosphere, second life, where these are more virtual, immersive worlds. And because we saw the future, uh, about three to five years ago, we built another business within FutureWork um, called CNDG, or Chat Newell Development Group. And this arm of our business really sees the future. Um, and we have large clients for whom we're creating virtual worlds where their employees come in as avatars and they go through all kinds of training, collaboration, have fun, uh, have to have fun in the virtual worlds. Um, so they can take a glider, they can ride bikes, they can go in boats, then they work together, uh, then they chat together, they go off, they come back, and they're operating through avatars, which is a three-dimensional representation of themselves. And people love it. Um, after a while, you forget that the avatar is not an avatar, but it's a person, um, and you just keep talking to the people. You can talk in twos, you can talk in small groups, you can talk in large groups. So we see a lot more of that. But that's happening right now, I would say, with maybe about 20% of our clients. That will have to be happening by everybody uh, in the future. Now, the other part <clears throat> that is quite new and is to see people actually teleport using technology. And we have a video that we show, and it's out of um, Cisco, where the chairman is on the stage, and he calls up two of his executives. He's in Bangalore. They're in California. There's just been an earthquake. They appear on the stage in three dimensions. Looks exactly like them. It's just a darkened stage. And what it really is is a holographic projection. But they converse with each other in this meeting as if they're there. I've also seen this done uh, in an opera where a German opera singer comes walking out, delivers her aria, um, stays on stage, but she's not there. The others are there. She's just a holographic projection. So technology will be amazing. It will not keep us apart. It will bring it together. Telepresence, wow. many of my clients have, where you go to a meeting um, and you feel like you are in the same room with the people who could be across the globe, across the country. And in fact, so many of them get up and they go to embrace or shake the hands of the people on the other side before they realize they're hitting a screen and the people aren't in the room. But we're seeing the beginnings of that now. I think we'll see a lot of that in the future, and it will be done in something that looks more like a tablet. So people will have it in personal technology. So you can go to a meeting from anywhere, and they'll also have it in, in, in buildings where these things are, are set up. So, you, so it sounds like technology is solving the problem of disconnection. In other words, people feeling disconnected when they are working from home or working in a place where they don't see their colleagues. And, you know, I've heard this for many years, the, the frustration of global teams who feel like they um, just can't quite connect with their North American colleagues on, on the conference call or even on the web, the webcast. Um, so it sounds like these new technologies bring connection and uh, almost a, a real-to-life experience. Yes, and I think what we're finding is that's the difference between the two-dimension and the three-dimension. In the two-dimension, um, we're talking on the phone. I might be even attending a webinar where I'm looking at slides, but I can be in the background um, doing my emails, doing whatever I want because you can't see me. In the three-dimension virtual worlds, 
that has to go away because if I'm sitting there talking to you and I go to do something else, my avatar becomes very limp, my arms fall down, and on top of my head it says, away, which means I'm not there anymore. And so when you see that, you can say, Joe, Fred, Mary, whoever, <laughs> um, come on, come back. we need to be with us. We're going over here now, so you do something. We're going to go to this room, and we're going to do this exercise, so come with us uh, so the people are really there. And what it's very hard for people to believe, and it's only because I've been in these virtual worlds now for for five years, and I have 30 different avatars, is you forget that it's just an avatar. And you are talking to people as if they're with you. you. And I have a partner in Europe, um, TMA World, and there is one person um, who is out of Amsterdam. And I meet him in the uh, virtual world. He'll tell me, I have to get off for a minute. You know, my kids are coming home from school. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about other things. I've actually never met him. And when people ask me what Hans looks like, I think he looks like his avatar, which which he does. But I know him better through that connection than I might know some of the people I meet in person. So it's very interesting, very hard for my clients to grasp. You have to immerse yourself in these virtual worlds in order to understand that the connection is there. Um, so so it's, as it's, as clients are struggling to grasp this and get their minds around what it means for their business, in other words, how do you get on board with this or how do you, what if you don't, you know, what are the implications of, of this? And you mentioned that right now 20% of clients are going in this direction, but eventually it will be all of us. Can you just say a little bit for our listeners about, number one, how does... How does a, how does somebody access this kind of technology? And number two, um, if you're a, if you're an organization, how do you begin to move in this direction? Okay, let me take how access and and then organizations yep. move. Yeah. Um, let me give you an example about one organization that I saw uh, really do well with this, and that that was Sodexo. Sodexo is a French company. And we worked with them, maybe it was five years ago, when we introduced the whole virtual world to them. And I did it in a very rather dramatic way. I was on the stage talking about the future of work, and all of a sudden, Margaret Regan flew into a virtual world, which came up on the screen, and I became Futura Cosmos. That's the name of my avatar. Mm -hmm. And the chairman was there, the president was there, and they kind of looked back and I started to talk about the importance of social media, of virtual worlds, which was something they hadn't even engaged in. So how did they get involved? Um, there are very smart people at the top of this company who realize if this is the future, we need to try it out right now. So the first thing they did was something very simple. Um, they went out on Second Life, and they started to recruit people. So they tried recruitment first. And... Believe it or not, they got one of the best chefs um, that the company has seen. He came out of the military. He saw the ad, created an avatar, went in for the interview, sent his resume ahead of time, and they were on the front page of Restaurant News as you know, using the virtual world to recruit. So that hmm. was one step forward. Then hmm. uh, the recession hit, and we usually did in Paris a global summit for them, and at that point, everybody was stopping traveling. So we had to figure out how could we do the summit using technology. And that's when we used a virtual platform. 
and we had 500 people from Sodexo, 500 managers, and then they brought a partner in, one of their clients, 500 from Microsoft, and we did the first virtual global inclusion summit. We had people from all over the world come in, actually five different continents, um, and talk about the business implication. After that event, which the event was about two hours, and then people could stay there, come in months later, weeks later, the next day, and download things, go to the exhibits, etc. Sodexo published that they had saved $1.7 million in airfare uh, and travel, um, uh, thousands of hours in lost productivity because people did it from their desk, and uh, a lot of carbon emission was saved. And mm. so immediately they could see the business benefit of that. They went from there, and they're using a similar platform for their campus um, conferences, and they're getting a lot more universities in now. So you see that people start in a very small way. They kind of put their toe in, and that's what we advise people to do, not try to do all these at once. Put your toe in one, put your toe in another. Uh, And this is not a technology company. Um, And so the fact that they were one of the first ones to do that is really because their chief diversity officer, their chairman, their U.S. president, really began to see we need to see the future if we're going to be the future. So that's one example that I think is a good one. Margaret, when we come back from the break, I want to talk more about the future that you see and um, the unique vantage point you really have. I think we all want to know where we're heading, and we all want to know how to, how to prepare for it. So when we get back from the break, we're going to dive into that again. Great. Be happy. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Tune in to Tom Says for practical solutions that you can use in your life. Whether it's information you can use for business, spiritual awareness, health, or personal issues, you'll want to listen to this life-changing program hosted by Tom Gerbic. Tom will also invite you to participate by calling in or sending emails. There's no topic that's taboo. With Tom's life experiences, you'll find that a weekly visit can be truly inspiring. Tom Says can be heard on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, with a weekly rebroadcast on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know that the number one concern of American business is the ability to attract and retain qualified workers? Yet millions of qualified American workers with disabilities are sitting on the sidelines. Disabilities at Work Radio focuses on businesses and their workforce needs and also offers other topics of interest to people with disabilities, their families, and supporters. Join Disabilities at Work Radio every Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. 
Do you have questions for our guest, Margaret Regan, today? Please email us at visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. We'll answer them on air. We'd love to hear from you if you have questions about the future of work. Um, Margaret, you mentioned right before we took a break that you have 30 avatars of your own. Why so many? Yes, a lot of my clients laugh when, because I think I'm making it up when I say that, um, because most of them don't even have one. But um, because I operate in the world of diversity and inclusion, one of the things that I do in my work in the virtual world is I experiment with how people will react to me differently if I come in as a younger woman, an older woman, a Chinese woman in traditional dress, or an Indian woman, or even a Muslim woman in traditional dress. And people strike up the most interesting conversations to see who I am, why I choose to be dressed that way. Um, I, sometimes I, uh, I can be an African-American woman in traditional African garb or in, in a work situation. Um, I go through immersive learning that way. I went through a two-hour immersive learning on uh, the whole slave experience in the U.S. using uh, an avatar of someone who was taken from her village in Africa, brought on a boat. I went on the boat trip. My avatar changed. I was sold into slavery. I I read about what happened. I saw what happened, and I experienced in a very different way what happened. That enabled me to have very different types of conversations with some of my African-American colleagues. Um, and as a white woman, it was a very different experience for me. So um, for me, it is a way to try to understand what it feels like to walk in someone else's shoes, um, but also a way to engage in very interesting conversations. Um, I was in a virtual world, uh, actually in Second Life, in the Museum of Autism, and I went in there, and I was just future cosmos in my little future work garb. Um, I met a woman who comes in there every night. She lives in a rural area. She's a mother of three autistic children. And she comes in there to meet with people who come to the Museum of Autism, many of whom are autistic, to learn from them how she could help her children grow up in this world. And we had an amazing conversation, mother to mother, because she asked me who I was, did I have children? Yes. Um, and I was just floored by what this virtual world was doing for her and the way she was helping her children by meeting other people, other avatars, by engaging with them every night and then discovering she was in the middle of a remote place where she would never have had that connection. So you meet very interesting people. You learn a tremendous amount. I have been in mosques um, because I don't go into mosques usually, but I've been in mosques and people talk to me about the Muslim community and the importance of prayer, et cetera. So it's a tremendous learning environment for me that I couldn't do uh, always uh, in the real world. Thank you for sharing those examples from your own uh, your own experiences and I think illustrating for us the um, the creativity, the potential for learning not only as yourself but through avatars that allow you to experience different dimensions of being human and I think that that is um, something I experienced. I actually went to your website, the Future Work Institute website, a few years ago when I was thinking a lot about the future of work and um, from your website ended up going to Second Life and creating an avatar of my own and I haven't done very much with my avatar but I think you can really see how it's fun and it's uh, it, it's 
a community and also it's a way of playing and learning at the you know playing learning and now working at the same time yeah i'm going to talk for a moment word. about okay let me just pick up on the fun word okay. that's something that my clients miss a lot one of the things we have to do with our clients you don't go into these virtual worlds and have a regular orientation where you sit down and you listen to the benefits of the company and here's what we do and then another one speaks you have to take what you do in the real world and completely change it to be a virtual experience. So they go in the room and they learn about the benefits and then they go on a, um, a hunt for different things. And then they take a break and everybody goes skydiving. And then they go back and they network with each other. And then they go back and they hear another executive talk. But they must do fun things in between, and that's very important for the younger generation, but we find that the boomers and the Gen Xs like it also. So you just hit a word that I have to spend a lot of time on because boomers very often don't think work should be fun. The younger generation expects it to be fun. And so translating what we do in the real world into the virtual world has to have that element of fun. Margaret, what is your vision for the future? If you could wave a magic wand and create a best case for the future based on what you know, what would it look like? Well, I think if if you look at the clients that I work with, um, and these are large companies, for them, I think it would be a place where people are free to pursue their passions and work how, when, and where they want so they might not work for a company for 20 years. They might work in the company for two years, go out and be a free agent, come back in. Um, jobs will combine two things. They might be a communication person, uh, but you have to be a communications person with an expertise in some kind of technology. I think we will also stop saying that we have to recruit train, develop, you know, the same things we use over again. And as the younger generation becomes a very big part of our workforce, we'll have to create relationship capital where we will initiate them into the organization, develop them while they're there, and evolve our relationships with them. So we will not look for the loyalty quotes that we have today, but loyalty to the organization will be a strong commitment and engagement while you're there. Um, and organizations will have to deal with the with the fact that they will get the most engagement if they let people be free to work how, when, and where they want. And for a millennial, that might mean late at night um, and, and fitting the life in, in between. Um, and then also not thinking that just because someone is a production worker or line worker that they can't take some of these concepts um, and apply them. If you look at Best Buy, where they have, you know, retail, Best Buy has a re, uh, results-only work environment where they don't judge people on the time they put there but the, the results. You can use technology to allow people to schedule their time on a production line uh, to what meets their life needs and let them switch off with others. So many of my clients are too much in the vision of today um, and they say, oh, well, this will work with, with, you know, all kinds of workers because everybody has to, these people have to be there. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But certainly you can have flexibility with, uh, with manufacturing 
uh, line workers. You can have it at a bank. Capital One has an uh, opportunity. You sit down with your manager and you agree on uh, how, when, where, and you work. Deloitte has mass career customization where everybody, not just the younger generation, um, will sit down and look at the pace of work, how they want to do work, where they want to do it, and make the trade-offs that go with what works uh, with their life right now. And the so reason you, that... Go ahead. I say, so, so when you summarize your vision, it sounds like it's really a vision of um, where the employer of the future really understands how to give flexibilities to the employee, and then the employee brings... Um, expertise and communication skills and a willingness to work in a project-based or a collaborative environment, much less hierarchical perhaps than in the, in the past. Um, but there's a, a meeting of talent and energy and focus with the need and the expectation of results. Um, kind of a, the best case scenario you're describing is one where um, everybody's designing together. Does that sound right? Yes, and and the one this is the one thing people always ask me. If you notice now, people are looking for work-life balance. They keep using that expression in many of my client companies, and of course, nobody has it because of the intersection of work and life. And that is only going to get better or worse, depending on how you look at it. So, what we're going to see is that in this anytime, anywhere workplace, there will be a blurring of work and life. And people will have to work not towards work-life balance, but towards work-life integration. And work-life integration means that in the 24-hour day, you integrate your work and life with a flow in and out of work, in and out of your life responsibilities. And the employers have to allow you to do that. Otherwise, the pressure uh, will just be too much for people because we will be connected 24-7. And the people who are doing it now um, talk about that's how it works for them. But they tend to be people in their own businesses. Um, many mm-hmm. people who have left big companies, form their own business, and do the work-life integration. What will have to happen in the future is that companies will need to allow people to do that and give them the technology and the support uh, to do it. It's not happening now. Right now what you have what we call extreme jobs with tremendous pressure um, because people are, are not able to do what they have to be at work and then they have to be home and then they have to be on the calls at night to Asia, back and forth, Asia to the U.S. Um, and, and so we can't keep going like that without stressing out people tremendously. So the organization will have to change and people will have to change to learn how to integrate and not just try to think they're always going to have a balance scale because that, that actually isn't even happening now. So there's a, 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 a what, what we're calling work-life integration. I certainly see that in my work as a leadership coach that um, work, you know, the, again, a, kills, a key skill that people have to learn is um, boundaries, you know, setting boundaries, understanding how to integrate work and with life and sort of when am I working, when am I living, and how to manage the uh, choices that go with that. So there's a great deal of autonomy there and the need to really honor and respect your own boundaries. And I, I'm doing a lot of work with my clients on learning how to do that as they're trying to make the shift to a more integrated approach. Um, yes, and I think the um, my staff always tells me that they've never seen a better example of work-life integration because if you live 
my life. I run a company, a global company, so it is a 24-7 job. But I do put boundaries and stop. You will see on my calendar on any, in a week, uh, most weeks I have at least one day when I'm when I'm here in the office and not traveling. You will see on my calendar something that says OOF, which means out of the office on the calendar, and a period of time blocked out. And that means I pick up my grandchild from school, who's five, um, comes home, the little one comes, who's two, and for a couple of hours, we are just engaged in a world of little kids. I do no work. I take no phone calls unless they're emergency. And the minute they go, I switch right back on, go into work, do my emails, do the other projects, but that time is sacrosanct. That happens for me on the weekends, too. One day a week, we're with them, um, with my sister who is ill another time. Um, so... I block out time and have to put parameters around it. And we at Future Work are all learning how to do that. But it is not easy if you think you're going to have balance, because if you expect balance, it's never going to be exactly. But if you think about it as integration, okay, now I'm doing this, now I'm doing that, and other people will learn to respect it, but you have to tell them there are boundaries here. I think that's a really important concept for the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very important concept of the future. And I think, you know, one key I witness with this idea is that you need to feel positive about it instead of resentful. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to wrap up our discussion on the future of work. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. 
This is Kate. My guest today is Margaret Regan, CEO and founder of the Future Work Institute. We've been talking about the future of work, and she has given us a really astonishing look into the future, and actually it's not even the future. It's happening in a number of companies all around us. Right before the break, we were talking about um, the end of the concept of work-life balance, the new concept of work-life integration, and the need for setting boundaries and really... um, what goes with an integrated life where you have all that flexibility is also an understanding that this is how it works. And so I'm going to make it work for me. I want to just use our remaining moments to invite you, Margaret, to tell us, tell us more. What haven't I asked about that we all should really know when we think about the future? Well, Kate, if you remember when you and I talked, I mentioned something that, that shocked you a bit and it shocks a lot of my clients. But I think Within the last two years, at the request of my clients, I have been talking about this because I think we have to think very differently about the future. And part of what we talk about when we talk about our diversity inclusion work are the traditional diversity dimensions, race, gender, generational, um, GLBT, uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender employees, people with disabilities, etc., And we think that that's the way it will be forever. And what we're not thinking about is 20 years from now, you will have enhanced individuals in the workplace, designer children of today that will be different from people who are not enhanced. And what we really are not seeing is the coming of the human singularity. And the human singularity is really about the radical fusion of the human body with technology. And that will have us achieve levels of of mental acuity and physical ability that eclipse anything that we have seen. And so when I talk to my clients about this vision of the future, I tell them to imagine their workplace 20 years from now, 15 years from now, when three people enter, they're smarter, they're stronger, they're faster than everybody else, but they're human beings, and they look like you. They've just been enhanced. So So when you say enhanced, what do you mean enhanced? They have something with technology that has enhanced their level of intelligence. For example, it could be a brain chip, um, something that's enhancing their physical ability. But brain chips will be common by 2030. They're already being used in some places by the U.S. military. So they they will be smarter than we are, and we will become the norms, and they will become... Um, the ESI are exceptional singular individuals. That will set up a whole other issue at work with the designer children, the, uh, the enhanced individuals, with the norms. And we have very interesting discussions about us and them and the norms getting together, some of them aligning with them, some of them not. For people who are interested, there was a cover of the um, Futurist magazine April, May of last year that I would suggest that people get if they're interested in this, and it was managing the enhanced workforce of tomorrow. So that's something we don't think about, that in addition to all the differences, the generational differences, cultural differences, regular diversity dimensions that we see, we will also have the enhanced and the non-enhanced. There was already a Singularity University. Um, It's in the Ames Laboratory at NASA where technology companies are looking at the implications of the singularity and what it will mean as we become more and more enhanced with technology. A lot of my clients get really upset when I say this, but if people want to know about the future, they have to know that right now we bring our vision back to 2020. We implant, um, you know, new knees, new 
limbs, new hips, etc. But when we put a brain chip in um, to use 80-90% of our brain, or maybe we use 10% today, you will see something very different happening in the workforce. Tell tell us you. I mean, I'm I'm just as shocked listening to this this time as I was the last time you said it, but I'm taking it in here. Um, designer children. Can you just explain what that means? Designer children. There's actually a eugenics race now with with China. Um, means that um, you actually do something with the egg to put a different um, characteristics into your children. And people always ask me why China, and think about it. If you have a one China, I'm sorry, one <clears throat> a one child policy, you're going to make that one child as perfect as that child can be. So this is something that is done in the womb, um, where the the singularity is out is outside. It's where people are already people, and they're mm-hmm. just enhanced by technology. So two two different concepts, but you will probably see this coming out of China first. And those of us who study China and the one-child policy, and even the names of the younger generation are called little emperors or empresses because there's so much attention on them, you will see that the designer children will probably emerge there first. You know, I, I, I look to the future you're describing, and it, it sounds like the movies. It sounds like the things that we've created out of our imagination um, for decades about what the future will be, and I'm realizing that, you know, these are my grandchildren who may be enhanced in some way or who may work with people who are enhanced. What, what, is, what does it mean to be a visionary leader in the context of the kind of future you're describing? What, what will good leadership really look like and think about? It will look very different from the hierarchical kinds of organizations we have today and the kind of hierarchical leaders we have. Um, it will be uh, much more virtual. You, you might even have teams at the top, leadership teams, rather than the singular leader. The leaders will be able, and by leaders, I don't really mean the people at the top. I mean your leader manager. Mm-hmm. They will have to manage by results. They cannot manage by FaceTime, which means if I see you with your face in the office, I know you're working. It will be, I see you, your work, not I always see you, but I do see you as a person. I care about you as a person. I care about your work-life integration. It's part of what I take into consideration when I assign you on a project. It's part of what the team takes into consideration when they work on projects in the project plan. There is what are your work-life integration needs, uh, what are mine. This is very difficult for leaders. They need to be able to use technology and be comfortable with it. And when I present these concepts to some people, they want to run away and retire. Others just get very excited about the possibilities. Those are the leaders we need. We don't need the leaders who are going to manage by FaceTime. We're going to be afraid of all of this because it is what it is. And the good leader will bring it to the future and bring the employees with it in a positive way. The ineffective leader will fight it until the end. Thank you, and it, and it really stands out for me that they'll embrace it in a positive way and also provide the kind of um, moral and ethical leadership that we're going to need as we contemplate the new possibilities that come with this future. Well, you've been listening to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. My guest, Margaret Regan from the Future Work Institute. Um, I invite all of you to go to the Future Work Institute's website to learn more about Margaret and her her 
work. Um, this is a future we all need to wake up to. Um, thank you for listening today. And I want to say thank you to you, Margaret, for sharing so generously and openly what you know. This conversation is a real wake-up call to a future that's already taking shape around us. And I wish you the very best in your work to help companies prepare for the future. Thank you very much, and I appreciate the opportunity to share this. Well, thank you. And um, next week, we'll be meeting Mark Fernandez of Luck Companies, a passionate leader who's going to let us in on how to ignite human potential, in his words, in our own organizations. I'm looking forward to hearing the Luck Company story, and I hope you'll join me. Have a great week. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.